I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. 
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey idiots, welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed, the podcast that attempts to overcome ignorance, mostly by asking ignorant questions with me, Jessica Michelle Singleton. I'm your host. I'm a comedian. I'm an idiot. It's why we're here. We're all idiots sometimes, right? I don't know. Uh, If you're new to the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. It helps. Uh, I haven't asked for reviews in a long time. Please review the podcast. I also haven't really posted that many podcasts. In this month and kind of last so anyway but we got some good ones coming down the pipeline uh so please review if you like it tell your friends about it thanks so 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 much to all the new subscribers new reviewers always shout out to my vip idiot savants nick and Jean, and my best idiot forever kathy uh they are patreon members and they uh help they're like individual sponsors basically i think is kind of how you look at it uh, they subscribe to my madness, and uh, you can too. Patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed, all one word. Uh, you can get cool stuff like postcards and, um, oh, I do Google Hangs. I am changing the VIP level from uh, Skypes because I just don't have the time, and I realized, frankly, uh, I feel uncomfortable because I feel like I, I just have weird social anxiety about it, but, uh, there's other things at the VIP level where um, when you come to LA, you can be on the podcast. What? Um, anyway, my favorite thing that I get to do uh, is sending postcards, and that is at a lower level. $10 a month, you can get those. $1 a month, you can get bonus episodes where uh, I answer questions with my friends, sometimes by myself, uh, and maybe talk shit uh, if it so pleases me. Um, it generally generally doesn't. I'm not much of a shit talker about anyone but myself. Uh, but I will air grievances and my confusion on everything. Not that that is any different, really. Uh, but like, in theory, if I had like shit to talk about someone specifically, I might do it on a bonus episode or nowhere. So, I'm great at sales. You guys, it's almost one o'clock in the morning in Edinburgh. That's where I am. There's two days left of the festival, uh, which has been so much fun, but I am driving myself into the ground which is part of the reason there have been uh so few episodes lately because it's just so much work it's been so fun i've made an incredible amount of friends i've gotten to run my one woman show which is way different than my stand-up every day and it's been very well received and i'm very happy with it anyway uh that's fringe i will be touring europe right after this so jmscomedy.com slash shows if you are in the Europe area, anywhere. If you know someone in any of these cities, Zurich, Paris, Cologne, Bratislava, Linz, Salzburg, Berlin, Stockholm. I said Berlin weird. Berlin. Berlin. Uh, Berlinton Coat Factory. I'm sorry. Stockholm. And then I will be doing dates in London for uh, the last week-ish of September, but I don't have the London date sorted yet. But every other date, Zurich, August 31st. Very excited for that. Uh, I'm doing a spot in Paris, Cologne. I already named all of them. You guys, if you live in these cities, 
go check out my website. If you know someone who lives in these cities who wants to laugh, tell them to check out my website, jmscomedy.com slash shows. Um, send them my way. Send them my way. Send them my way. I've clearly snapped. Um, I was just singing to the tune of an old Burger King jingle. You guys, I haven't even been near a Burger King in years. Uh, what is happening? Let's get into it. My guest this week, Eleanor Conway. Eleanor Conway. Uh, uh, spelled like Eleanor, but pronounced with a fun British accent because she is from over here. And we talk about sobriety. She is sober. She's been sober four years, and we talk about what led her to that, how she handles that, uh, how she lives in her sobriety, what it means to her, and uh, how it has affected her life. And it was a very great conversation. Eleanor is extremely funny and just a smart, awesome person. She's been my roommate here the whole time, and I got a chance to catch her show, Walk of Shame 2, the sequel to her original show. Guess the name, Walk of Shame. You guessed it. Um... And it was so funny. I just made a gross noise in the microphone with my throat because I'm an absolute pig. Um, anyway, you guys, what else is there to say? Here's the episode. Enjoy it. Let me know what you think. Tweet me. Instagram me. My God, I'm falling asleep on the microphone. Okay, Eleanor Conway. We're on now. You can tell me if I need to be quieter. No, I, I'm going to be honest. I put the headphones in. But you don't know what you're doing. No, I just go testing and the bars move and I'm like, okay, it's working. So everyone listening, now you know why sometimes the audio quality is probably terrible. <laughs> Hi, idiots. That's what I call my podcast fans. It's a whole thing. You guys, I'm here with Eleanor Conway. Hi. <laughs> Already off to a great start. <laughs> um, my flatmate in Edinburgh, hilarious comedian. I just watched her show, Walk of Shame. Two. Uh, two. Walk of Shame 2. Mm. It's so funny. Thanks, man. You're incredible. Oh, um, thanks. Uh, as someone who has been on several walk of shames, I was like, I have to see this. I look up to you. Uh, let's. We'll, we'll, we're going to talk about a lot of things, but I think the root of this is we are going to talk about sobriety. Oh, yeah. Eleanor is is also like, a, by the way, because when you say your name with your accent, you go like, Eleanor. Yeah. Is it annoying to hear an American voice go, Eleanor? I lived, I lived in, uh, I lived in Taipei with four Canadians, so I'm oh. absolutely used to it. Okay, because I wondered. Like, hey, Eleanor, I'm like, hey. oh God, do you know my name's Eleanor? Eleanor, Eleanor, Eleanor. Hey, not you're sober. BC. You pronounce the O R. I'm just, I'm just, um, I'm just compassionate to North Americans. To our dumb. You're going dumb through brave. a tough time. You really the are. least I can do is just let you mispronounce my name for we're, a little bit. We're just like all little kids who live in an abusive household and you're like yeah they're a weird kid but like they're dad home. yeah <laughs> oh no <sighs> so okay it's been interesting because uh for anyone who's never been to the french festival um a lot of partying a lot of just late nights yeah. um, my other roommates are have just been going way hard which i just don't have the capacity to do but i've tried a few times um have you been here drinking? Yes, I have. 2011 was my first Edinburgh. And 2011 in Edinburgh was when I realized I needed to get sober. That was it. You're like this is my rock. It bottom. was one of them. Yeah. I was I was what was I doing? I was living with I was living in a flat with an with an ex addict, with a someone in recovery and uh, I I was doing a voiceover job for for a uh, news agency in in Los Angeles. Oh wow. And so every morning they'd expect me to record celebrity news items in my closet. 
Um, <laughs> I love the like when you look behind the curtain of working like, in entertainment. And now uh, Kim Kardashian just uh, touched down in LAX. She's wearing a fur gilet, and it was all that sort of stuff. It was all that sort of like trashy, <laughs> like pop culture, pop culture, short bits of um, stuff. So I had to do that in the morning. The thing is, I'd be up until about 3 or 4 a.m. getting absolutely wasted. Oh, fuck. Wasted. I was, emce- I was emceeing a night, plus I was doing a chat show up here. So, And then plus I was, I was like properly, like sort of almost at my rock bottom. Oh, wow. You were just like in a downward slide. Yeah, to- like, to- like three weeks in, I was like coughing up little mini aliens of phlegm. It was gross. Oh. I've never had something so physically detrimental to my body. Oh, my God. Was it just like drinking and then like whatever drugs you get your hands on was I d- it I've never specific? done drugs up in Edinburgh I really? know there's a lot of cocaine up here but I've never really done it I wouldn't know I mean other than seeing people who are very clearly on cocaine and I'm like oh you do that here too I realized recently that the amount of people that have been in my circle for years as acquaintances that I somehow didn't realize were constantly doing cocaine and then now <laughs> I'm like well are you even a fun person or are you just on cocaine all the time and what's funny is like before I got so- before sobriety, before sobriety, like if anyone was exhibiting any cocaine tendencies, I'd sniff it out and I'd want some. <laughs> but now I'm sober. Like people can have like they'll be like disappearing to the toilets every five. I'm like, why are they? Why are they go? Oh, oh, oh! They're doing cocaine. Oh, and it would take me like three hours. I'm an f- absolute moron now. Yeah. No. I mean, I feel like I've always been oblivious to, yeah, like hard drug use. Unless is cocaine hard drug use? Yes, Eleanor. I think meth and heroin are hard drug use. I, I think, think they're co- more hard. I think cocaine just has a good PR vehicle. It's been made to look glamorous, but mm. it's not good for you. But then I also just go, <laughs> well, the amount of people who have assumed I do cocaine because my personality is just too much. I'm like, oh, fuck all you people doing cocaine. I have to live with this brain every day. <laughs> um, okay, so wow. Edinburgh is when you realized you need to get sober. It was one. It was one of them. Yeah, it was one of them. But I had like 2012, 2013, which were just the descent. I wasn't really doing comedy then, and it was just a real sort of descent into like I. I am. This is a very egotistical place, which is like my biggest defect of character. And so, like, if it's not checked, like I, I was spending thousands and thousands of pounds on like like posters, those big posters that oh, do yeah. nothing, like for this show that I was like hosting it was a chat show oh wow um, and uh, you know i've just paid the debt off that's how much money it was that's crazy that was like 2011 2012 13 oh 13 yeah, wow yeah, yeah. and you weren't even doing stand-up then you were just like kind hosting. of a hosting yeah oh wow yeah it is a big you the ego thing here is like crazy because it's, it's you can come here with the, the best intention that you're just gonna be like i'm just gonna get better as an artist and then you start to see i mean it's it's 26 days of relentless you see your colleagues on the wall everywhere you go yeah with stars with visualizations of acclaim yeah that maybe like, you're not receiving and so then you go like am i a piece of shit yeah and even when you're winning edinburgh when you've, you're getting all the reviews and you're getting nominated there's still a you know i've spoken to friends and they're like you know there's still that level of i'm not doing good enough so it's like it's almost like this constant yearning for what's above you but nobody ever satiated it's, it's well it's, yeah well because it's always like what are we even that thing that so many people are chasing with i guess any industry technically but just that like if i get this i'll feel better if i get that i feel better and it's like oh there's not a thing you have to just work on feeling better yeah that's it, it has to come with from within and that's really hippie and i'm i can't believe that's actually coming out of my mouth in 2018 but it's completely true yeah i well i remember 
having that realization because I'm I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of a cynic with hippie shit or I always have yeah. been and going like, yeah, okay. And then when it really occurred to me and hit me, cause it's sort of just kind of in, in my experience, s- stuff like that, like realizing it actually has to come from within was this like internal realization that I'm like, ah, damn it. Like it really, uh, okay. Like, which is kind of good because then it feels like, well, then there's not, if you can harness that, there's not like an external thing that's going to, you can go like, yeah, that'd be great to win the award, but like, I'm going to be okay either way. Yeah. If I can get a handle on it. Yeah. You're playing the long game. There's a perception. I mean, there's so many times in this fringe where I've had a massive perception problem. Yeah. And the problem is if you let that sort of negative perception affect your action, then do you know what I mean? Because yeah. the action that we put in each day is getting up early, working on our show, getting to bed at a reasonable time, doing all that self that self care stuff. Yes. And doing delivering consistency in the best show. But if I let my little head go, Oh, you know you're rubbish yeah and start feeling like depressed about it and sit in bed then um then i'm not going to work as hard am i no then you just become less productive and then you start suffering the show and then it just yeah yeah the cycle it's like a bit of self-fulfilling prophecy yeah it's like a snowball effect yeah how long okay when did you start it was drinking like your main thing I, i've always been a really big drinker so like uh, yeah, drinking and then and then drugs. I, you know, I, I I was a teen in like the sort of um, uh, like when as the um, <clears throat> as the sort of generation of clubbing and raving sort of hit the UK back oh, in the sort wow. of like early nineties. Yeah, I'm forty now, guys. Can you believe it? I don't look. It. I you don't, and Thanks. it pisses me off because I am not aging well. I am on a downward spiral towards looking eighty, but. Especially considering you you had so much like alcohol and drug use, <laughs> yes! it was like Jesus. Yes, thanks, mum. <laughs> uh, but I'm boring now. I got to sleep, and I you know I'm I'm really boring. But do you do a lot of self care? Not not as much as that's something that that's coming that's sort of like edging its way into my life. Yeah, okay. like self care, like like well, it's you know, hard buy, buying the right size clothes. Yeah, you know I, mean? I loved that bit of yours, by the way, that you're just... What, the sh- in the show? You talked about, yeah, how you talk... Well, I don't, like, give away the whole show. No, but it's fine. We're talking about buying the wrong size clothes. You're like, well, I'm not going to be this size forever. Yeah, like... It's so relatable, too. Or just holding on to a pair of jeans that's too small and going like, well, I'm going to lose the weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's... but So that's something I had to look at. Even recently, I'm four years sober. I was like, why have I got so many size 10 that size ten is quite small in the UK. Like size yeah, well, no, because when you said when you said that I went American sizes, and I was like, no fucking way. That like, and it doesn't matter. But when you were like size ten versus size fourteen, I was like, that has to be different than the US sizes. Yeah, I think your um, your size zero is like a size six here. Okay, so I think it's I think like a size ten is like a size four or six. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, but um, yeah, I've I've got this aspirational size that I'm for twenty years I've been clinging on to this hope, and I've only been a size ten for four weeks. Yeah, once on like a coke bender. No, when I was <laughs> um, on the run from this mad bloke that was just a psychopath, <laughs> and were you just like eat. stressed? Wait, yeah, so like, stressed, and I just couldn't eat. But I was really scared. But isn't I was very that skinny. always the yeah? Where you're like, I'm not doing well, but look how good. Look, how look at these hot. cheekbones. Yeah, I look really gorgeous. God, being a woman is a fucking nightmare. That's it's a like real head fuck when you get your heart broken and and you're like, oh, and friends are like, well, at least you're gonna lose weight. That's what happens. My friend said that, and I was like, <laughs> and that's all you have to help like cling to. <laughs> No, that's a huge thing. Well, and it's always just like with clothing. And I mean, who the fuck am I? But just uh, 
when people try to dress smaller, like they just, no, I'm definitely this size. It's like, okay, well, no one can see the size inside of your pants, but like we can all see whatever you're wearing is not the right size. And that's why I think Instagram is really good. You know, you've got all this sort of like, you know, um, Chloe Kardashian, she's doing like the good America, you know, that there's lots of brands and, you know, Instagram sort of influences that are coming out that aren't the size zero. The size zero. And I think that's wonderful. I wish I'd had that growing up. Yeah, the body positivity to go like, hey, yeah. you know what? You can look like this and still be happy with who you yeah. are. Yeah, and that's uh, that's one that's one thing that I think that's really blossomed out of you know this whole Instagram thing, which you know, and also like um, Fent- like is it um, Rihanna's Fenty? Yeah, getting makeup for yeah, like skin like- colors that like felt left out I mean can you imagine that that I, I just it's something as a white person I never really considered that, well but, you didn't have to it didn't have to occur to you yeah but then I'm like oh wow like people didn't have like a color to suit their skin tone that's mad that's crazy and I just like I hear my like uh, I have you know I'm friends with a bunch of comics who are women of color and they've talked about several times going on set and none of the makeup artists that are being paid have the right makeup for them they don't know how to do their hair like the hairstylist and it's like oh Wow, I, mem- uh, I remember chatting to a comic, and she said um, a makeup artist used chocolate powder. No, yeah, as, as chocolate powder. Can you fu- can you believe that? No, <laughs> that's crazy. It's mad. Ah, oh, that's so frustrating. But I, I, it's just something that you never uh, never really thought. I guess about that's it the pri- part of the privilege. I saw, of. Until I saw the joy of like on on the social, I was like, wow. Oh right, that's that's mad. Yeah. That's crazy. That is mad. But then I suppose you think of like a Western brand like L'Oreal. I suppose if one West, one very sort of white Mainstream. Caucasian sort of like brand just sets these boundaries, then I suppose bringing a big brand is, is big business, isn't it? It's big money. Yeah. It's also to me almost like at this point, it's like 2018 and it's like you're still not targeting an entire market. Like if one of those major makeup brands had been like, by the way, now we're releasing this. But I suppose it's because that we've got globalization. So essentially every brand that's hitting is hitting a worldwide market. Yeah. So they're not just hitting like England or like Norway or just, you know, yeah. they're hitting like this global market that is, a you know, it's a bit more, you know, it's a bit more like, well, you've got black people in Africa and America and all that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You've got like, it's not just it's focused not just- in one sort of mini territory. That's true. I bet Africa's got loads of music, like, makeup brands maybe or maybe i don't know what the culture is there because then i, I go like know. when when people go like now there's makeup for every skin tone i'm like that's great now we can all be like i'm not good enough and i'll put this paint on to cover <laughs> it <laughs> um i say as i am like oh god i need to wear more makeup um i have a mixed relationship with makeup but fuck oh sobriety well where were we okay so did you have like a specific so you started drinking in your teens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the culture in the UK, I don't know what it's like in America, but the culture it's in the UK... It's pretty early drinking, right? Like, there's a lot of drinking here. Yeah, like, and in the 90s, it was very much... The idea of a woman was very much a ladette. So mm. I don't know if you know that terminology. It's a bit, a bit of a lead. It was like a female Like version. a tomboy. Yeah, but it was very... It was it was revel. It was, it was revel. Like, you'd... The whole culture was like loaded magazine, which was very tits and like leads going to the football, drinking pints. Oh yeah, glamour girls. Bro culture. Yeah, very. Br- I said br- a British version of bro culture. Yeah, yeah. And the whole thing was, if you want to be the best bird, female, you've got to drink <laughs> and do as many drugs as possible. And that was the culture. And wow, it was the culture. And now it's not like that. It's like Instagram, healthy, green. You know, doing abs and all that stuff. Oh, but I the- should do abs. Yeah, let's do abs together. Tomorrow. You want to do a workout? Not really. Okay. 
Thank but God. that but that was the but that was the culture. It was about drinking as much as possible and doing as many drugs just as possible. Not giving a fuck and being wild. Yeah, just the mo the more wasted you had sort of like people females on telly like Zoe Ball and you know, I think she was presenting Radio One Breakfast Show at the time, which was like the big sort of radio station and oh, wow. and it was all about like Chris Moyles this time when they would be like, Has he turned up for work? He's been out on a bender till like oh, six AM wow. and then rocking into the it's station. Like everyone was Courtney Love. Yeah, everybody was Courtney Love. That's such a good that yeah, that's such a good the Courtney Love era. It was, but that's wow. pretty that's why we love Courtney Love here so much. Because she's us. She's like you're like, Yeah, she gets it. Yeah, so it's just ingrained in our culture. So it's not like you weren't oddly drinking. It wasn't like you were the weird train wreck of your friend group. It's just that's how things were. Yeah, and then you add in drugs and there was a, a music sort of trend at the time. I know you guys have embraced EDM, but like that was a thing for like 25 years. Yeah, well, wasn't it called something else before that? It was just called like... There was house music and then there was like bump. I've never liked it. And I guess it's also because I'm never on the right drugs for it. I'm sure it's much better when you're on Yeah, I mean, I really liked it. Yeah. I mean, I really liked that culture because it was very sort of like peace, love and unity and everyone's embraced. Did you wear like the baggy pants with cartoons on them, like rave clothing? No, but I did once. Do you know what Tipex is? No. The whiteouts. Do you know whiteouts? Whiteout, yeah. Yeah, I used to do my nails in whiteout. In whiteout? And white, and then just like... Just be all white. Because the black lights, right? At yeah. parties? Yeah. I just go in black and then you see where there's cum stains on my <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's just cum on my face. <laughs> People are like, ew. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> well then, so all of your friends were kind of the same then. Yeah, but I didn't... I think I just... I don't think I had... I had quite a lot of fair weather friends, I think. I found it difficult. I think it's only in later life that I managed to uh, sort of have a good social group around me. Oh, yeah, because everyone's just kind of like, I do drugs and I'm drinking and I'm a fun person, but we're not like friends. deep. Yeah. Mm. But you are deep, but it's only because you're on ecstasy. Yeah, it's oh just for God. that moment, like, I love you. Oh, I've never met anyone like you before. And in the morning, they're like, who are who you? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> like every man I've met on MDMA, I'm like, he's the one. Oh, my God. <gasps> <gasps> No, let's have sex now. No, I need we it. We can't wait. This magic is too much. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is so beautiful. And then, uh, oh, God. I've uh, never done MDMA. Does it have a come down? Yeah. Is it like the next day a serotonin I, drop? And yeah, you're like, it's oh. totally like, I am so unlovable. It's like Edinburgh, but like about a million times worse. Edinburgh, three week, three and a half weeks in. But oh, like, when you hit that wall and you're like, like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Am I just here because I'm getting high on life? Okay, wait. So, did you have a specific moment that was an actual rock bottom, or was it just a pile up? Um, I think it was. There was always there's signs like 2011 Edinburgh was like train horrible, wreck. just could train wreck. And you know, my life was falling apart a little bit. I was doing, I was working in music, mm. and then um, I was working in music presenting, and then I was just, I just kind of got to the got to as far as I could go or as I felt I got got and I got I kind of what happened I don't want to get any any legal trouble but um <laughs> I was working on a show and then and then the show moved on without me and yeah, I was there like, were they were like we're going a different direction yeah well they didn't tell me oh and so they had new hosts and I was like hang on I just created this show <gasps> Um, but it was, you know, <clears throat> um, and it was quite yeah so after that and that was qu- quite a big brand I was like I don't want to start from the bottom and the, I was just like you know what I was, I was just a bit 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 tired of music and I just kind of went behind the scenes for a bit and then that sort of that sort of fell apart because I couldn't keep a job down basically because I was just drinking too much oh and, wow 
Um, and then and then I was just sort of living a lie a little bit, just kind of was just going out all the time. And I did Edinburgh a couple more times, and they progressively got more, you know, m- much worse. I got pregnant in one of them. What? I was, yeah, I found out I was pregnant the penultimate day of Edinburgh one year, and I was just like. It, it, that was a real rock bottom. I was oh, just like, "Fuck, dude!" And here's my kid now. No, we didn't keep it. I mean, he doesn't know. Oh, he doesn't know you were ever pregnant. Yeah, I know. I think I know who the dad was. That I think. I, it was oh, is that a thing where yeah, you're yeah. like, I think I know who it is, but yeah. I'm not totally Him, sure. Yeah, I don't think it was my dealer, and that's that's that's, that's the main thing. Because yeah. well, either way, good. it's dead. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wow. awful. Yeah, well, that just, is a. I've never. I sometimes think that because I've gone through some crazy sex periods and sometimes I'm wonder if I'm infertile because that's never happened. Look, look, I'm really, I was really unmanageable around my sexual conduct and, um, you know, part of the risk taking and the drama, like, you know, I'm an addict, you know, I'm an alcoholic. I like, you go for the thrill. Yeah. I go for drama. How reckless can I make my life? Because it distracts, it distracts from me investing in life because I'm fearful that I won't be successful in life. So instead I'll just, I'll just, derail yeah, I'll just everything. yeah, I'll just completely self-destruct. Um, wow. And that has to be one of the, that, that was really just, 2013 was really like, that was really great. Just being, I was in the KFC restaurant up the corner, around the corner. Oh, wow. And I was like, um, I feel like I'm a bit late. And then I did a pregnancy test and just broke down in the toilet of the KFC. And it was, oh, God. It was just, it was just like, I think it was like the two days before the end of the fringe. And I'd, I'd just come into the fringe and I'd already given up. But I'd invest, I'd thrown money that I didn't have. I borrowed money off my mum, credit Oof. cards, loans. And um, I'd really thought, thrown, thrown something external at the problem. And I thought that that could fix it. But all, you know, all that stuff is, is, is a reminder of, 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 it's, it's it, it, it makes me the person that I am now. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because now I don't get worried about these posters in the same way that I would have. Because I've had those posters and they haven't translated into ticket sales. And you're like, I know that it doesn't necessarily mean anything. One hundred percent, it doesn't. And it's all about ego. And ego for me is like my biggest defect of character. It's pride, and it's what will fuck you up. Yeah, ego is a huge a hurdle for so many people. Sure, and you see it. You see it. if somebody gets success and then they're not in the right mindset. They turn into a massive cunt. Yes, I've seen it. You've seen it? Oh, God, I know so many. All of my friends are starting to, like, pop. And you, I've seen a few people, like, oh, you're not. This is bad. Well, that's it. I mean, look, just because you're successful doesn't mean you have to be a dick. Yes. Or it's like some people, I think, get this. They get success. And then they're like, well, I must just be a brilliant and the best at everything. Um, yeah, and it's like, you're still a, just a person. You should act like a person. Yeah, and I've seen I'm um, and and you know and you you know those people because they're like, oh, I mean, she, look, this person's quite divisive, you know. Oh, she's just, you know, she's just, she's just, you know, she's just, she's, she's. They kind of make allowance, and you're like, well, that's just on. how she is. That's and just it's like how that's she not is. okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. when people start getting like cunty and and like their ego just inflates, and it's like, yeah, you're like good at your job, so pe- you've gotten things theoretically. That's not even always the case, but it's like you're not better than anyone. I mean, the amount of people I've seen get a blue check mark on Twitter and think that they're more important. It's like, no, 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 you're just, your voice is not like everyone, everyone. I don't know. I'm very like, we're all humans and everyone's really equal. Some of us have skills in different directions, but like, you're not better than anyone. Sure. You're just doing better at something. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that's, um, that could, that's a real turn off for me. Or if someone enters a conversation and they spend 10 minutes 
throwing what they've done and what's happening for them at you and they don't and it's not a not a conversation i just switch off and i'm like i'm out of here yes it's not mutual that's a big it happens constantly in la doesn't ask how are you it's like well you don't give a fuck do you you don't give a fuck you're just going i've done this i've got this i'm amazing it's like whoa yeah like what the it happens i don't know in los angeles have you been to la yeah i fell in love with a mexican guy called uh called joey oh he ended up being gay oh been there not at all i fell in love with a mexican man once but he ended up being we weren't in love actually i was just in a place of self-destruction he was a bad person not because he was mexican uh, that oh was my just God, a coincidence mexican-american too uh but uh oh anyway uh i've derailed you have um oh in la it's like if you ask someone how they are that's what happens like everyone oh, they start rattling off the things they're doing and i've noticed lately that when it's such a thing that when people ask me how i am and i'll just go i'm good it's like they're like oh. like i can like sometimes if they're that kind of person i see this internal panic of like was well, she doing so good that she's comfortable not talking about her or is she not doing anything it's like why aren't like they're like why aren't you telling me the things oh really they're like oh hey good to see you it's been a while how are you and they'll be like well i'm doing this i have a meeting and i sold this and, and it's like i don't how are you like you're you are not the check marks you've gotten on your career like well maybe we're doing it wrong maybe we should be like that hello i think that if i i mean i go back and forth because i'm like maybe that helps you get ahead because people like they're doing shit and then they want to give you more but I, i've just gotten to a place where and i'm I, doing so well no i just am like i, I used to be so like oh, oh if i have this or like i you know thinking that like what i'm doing is equivalent to who I am and I don't feel that way anymore. Like the things I've done and where I've been is not who I am as a person. And all I really want to do is comedy. So it's like, I love stand up, but so I would do other things. Theoretically, I'll attempt to like do TV or whatever to facilitate that. But like, I don't, I don't, I no longer like have this thing where I think I'll feel better if I get a check mark. I'm just like, I feel fine. And like, that would be great. But I don't know. No, I'm rambling about. I, th- I think if it's if it's mates, if you know the person, yeah, and they're like, and they th- that that annoys me. And they're like, you you meet up, you go for coffee, and then that's all they're doing. I'm You're like, like, this isn't a business meeting. I'm not gonna say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Yeah, I'm, I'm not an agent. <laughs> yeah. What's well, like, I get doing that if like you're trying to, if you're talking to someone who like maybe is a manager, I still don't do it, but like a manager or an agent and you're trying to just, you know, make them think that you have things going on. Yeah. I guess I kind of get it. But they have to just do it to your friend. It's like, I don't, yeah, I don't get it. Like you can let me, like if you have a thing and I'm your friend and you want to go, oh my God, I just got this thing. I'll be yeah, happy yeah. for you. Oh yeah, totes. <sighs> oh. Oh. Okay, wait. Sobriety. Yeah. <laughs> Um, wh- how did you approach getting sober? Did you have a day where you're like, this is it, I'm done. Let me pour out all my liquor. Let me go to a meeting. Like, did you immediately go to like meeting type stuff? Um, so basically, one of the reasons that I went into recovery is uh, professional envy, 100%. Like, oh. I'm so ego-led. And so, you know, I as a drunk, I've got high ambition, uh-huh. but I've got 
like I'd be like I'm gonna do this and yeah. I'd be doing like a line of coke with some random bitch you're like, like I'm gonna open a corporation we're gonna we're gonna make a million before breakfast yeah <laughs> um so like very high ego but very like low product productivity, productivity. <laughs> just like doing coke <laughs> I'm brilliant you're just covered in cocaine I'm brilliant <laughs> doing shit cocaine in East London you're not even doing good cocaine no it's shit I live in London it's shit <laughs> Um, and I think it was, I think it was seeing someone, I think I could live in denial, like, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm putting it off. I'm going to do it one day. Right. Yeah. And then as I started to see, um, you know, other, other people that I look up to, that I was just like, how, how have they got that? That it was more like that. How have they got that? Oh, cause they've not been waking up in a man's bed every day for the last, oh. yeah, for the last decade, that's probably why. So you were like, I need to do this so yeah. that I can get those things. Yeah, that's basically it. Um, yeah, whatever gets you there, I guess. Um, and then I think I put a post on Facebook, and I was like, Hey, God, all my all my posts pre two thousand fourteen were like, Oh my God, I'm so hungover. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Is it so funny when the Facebook memories pop up and yeah. you're like, Jesus Christ? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a free bar. Like if there's a free bar, I'm getting eight drinks. But for me, I'm not getting you any drinks. I'm <laughs> getting eight drinks. Oh fuck. Yeah. That's that's I was like that's impressive. I was like, there's a photo that clocked up of just a tray of my drinks, a, a group table, by the way. I'm like, these are all mine. You cunts, fuck off. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to go out for one, and I don't want to. Do you know what I mean? It's like, just the bar gets crowded. I'm gonna bring them all now. Yeah, and just right? throw them back. That's I'm being what efficient. You do. I'm being efficient. You're like, I was. It was alcoholism, but it was very efficient alcoholism. Absolutely, 100. Um, and uh, I put a, I put a hair hey, been out for three days. Whoa. Um, and then someone reached out to me. And they're like, hey, actor. I'm worried about you. No, they were like, they did the whole sort of like a 12-step uh, cliche. Like, uh, if you don't go to the barbers, you won't get, or no, if you go to the barbers enough times, you'll get your hair cut or something like that. That doesn't actually make sense. But I was like, yeah. how did you do it? And he was like, and then he took me to my first meeting. Ah, uh, what an angel. Yeah, it's uh. good. Yeah, so 12-step works for me, 100%. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that like, I think there are people that it works for and some people have to take other approaches or like they go and they're like, I get it, but like this isn't, because are you someone who you think you're going to be like um, like a lifetime recovery person where you're like constantly? I think so. Look, I, I look, I, you know, I, I struggle with the whole like, if you take one drink, you're going to die. <laughs> I don't think it's that. But I, I do. Th I do think that if I drink, look, I'm obsessive and very uh um, I would say I'm hyper focused when I get, like I'm hyper focused. Yes, and you can see that on like in the last four years I've gone from like not being a comic to touring an international show. Exactly. Yeah. So no, I like, totally understand. And that's, and that's because I'm sober, and that's because I'm hyper focused. Yes. And I wake up and I'm like the the, the hyper focusedness that I have when I'm drinking and taking drugs. That's just gone. That's into just that. into drinking. So now it's gone into your comedy. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Yeah. Oh God, I get that so much. So, but so I just think even even though I might. I don't want to take the risk, but I'm pretty sure I'm not cured in inverted commas because I'm still obsessive around sugar and men. Yeah, you have other things that it translates to. So I know I'm not cured. It's that it's that same like same compulsion. That same. It's just you've transferred it. I've just transferred it. So, so if I just open up, because alcohol and drugs are magnifiers, aren't they? Yeah. Like, there's, you know, I've woken up in fucking like car crashes in hospital. Just fuck. Yeah. Just you know, I've been taken. You know, I you know, I've been fired from every job I've ever worked at. So it's. By the way, if if I do apply for a job for like a temporary job, just uh, I'm changed. Um, if you're listening, if you're listening, 
if you're thinking about hiring me. I mean, you're by far the most hyper-focused person I've seen at Edinburgh. I'm like looking around her room now. She's got all these like work post-its and stuff. And like, it's very impressive because, well, A, because there's just so much theoretical temptation just for social interaction if you're someone who's like a social person. But on a completely different level, I get pretty workaholic-y. I think no one would debate that with my comedy. And seeing your room makes me feel like that that's okay. <laughs> like I'm like normalized. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, so other people do this. But the, th- the thing is because the first walk of shame, look, the first walk of shame, I, t- I debuted here in 2016 on the free, free fringe, which is where you just put money in the bucket at the end. And then, and then after that, I was so like hyped up. I was like, everyone has to see this show. And I self-produced a hundred day 10 country tour. Right. And because I know that I can do that, it means I can do Edinburgh where I don't, when I keep my head down a little bit more because I know that this isn't the end of it. Yeah, you're like, this is not where it stops. No, this is this is a very small component in the bigger plan. Oh, fuck. Which is, tour. you know, I'm going to take Walk of Shame too and I'm going to go back and tour all those places oh and hopefully God. I'll come to America. Yeah, oh, I want you to. I want to go to all those places. I, I, you're great. Thanks, man. Yeah, but I, I d- but that's, that's, it's, that's confidence and that's self-esteem because I've gone out and I've done that. And so and you I, know that you can do it. Yeah, and I think that that's, that sort of, I, if I wasn't an alcoholic, I wouldn't have been like, I'm going to go. Because at first I was like, I'll just do 20 date tour. I'll just do a 28 tour. 28 tour. That's an accomplishment, isn't it? I've yeah. got an agent. I don't know. A 20 date tour. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, more, well maybe I'll do a 30, 30 date tour, 30 date tour, 30 date tour. Oh, maybe I'll do like a 50, 50, oh 100. We're going to do 100. Oh my God. You and I are so similar in our like obsessiveness over work. Yeah. Because that's how, because that, that's how my career grew. And then all of a sudden people who I still look up to are like, can you, would you mind sitting down with me and talking about touring? And I'm like, why do you need my, what? Yeah. And it's just, it's leaning into something and realizing you're like, oh, I can do this. And also doing stuff that other people aren't doing. When people are like, you're going on tour, and I'm like, yeah. And they were like, you don't have an agent and you're not on TV. Oh, fuck those people. Did you get people going, that's not a tour? Um, yeah, actually, I did, there was a post on like one of those bullshit sort of groups on Facebook that go, a tour is when you stay over in a hotel. And I was like, oh my God, is my tour not good enough? I posted one time, I like went to whatever fucking dictionary website and I got the definition of tour yeah. and I like cropped it and I was like, actually I am on tour <laughs> by definition. Cause I did a lot of like just couch surfing, grungy touring That's for right. my first few years. And I remember some comics being like, it's not really a tour. And I'm like, you're sitting on your ass in Los Angeles doing nothing. It. It's it's a tour people are coming to see me so. that's it and that's what you're doing you're building your audience yeah it's like grassroots well the thing is club tour the, um, I, the, the market in the UK now is like club comedy the club, the club circuit is so saturated and it's the entry level sort of essentially that's what you do and then you hope to get picked up for someone that takes you for touring and I'm, I've just kind of bypassed that and gone and it's only because I'm insecure that I won't be good enough so I've gone, I know what I'll do. I'll just run the show myself. Well, no, yeah, because it's like, I don't want to let anyone down. I don't want, I have trust issues. Well, I'm, I'm just concerned that I won't be good enough and I hate giving the power to someone go, yep, she's good enough for five minutes. Yeah, it's like, I'm not going to let you dictate how I feel about That's myself. That's it. I want to take the ownership back. But also it's like, it, for me, it's like, if I've got to impress 20 promoters around the UK to book me for a free five minutes, then a free 10 minutes, and then try and convince them to give me paid work, that's a lot of time investment. Yeah, and it's like that they're probably making money off of, and you're not. Well, well, no, it's more like, I don't know what they like about me and what they don't like about me. Yeah, and I just can't do the... I'm fine getting up and being like, here's my set, hope you like it, but I don't know if there's this in London, but in 
sometimes it feels like there's this extra like I gotta hang out and like pretend to be friends with you all night. Yeah, it's politics. Because it's like, oh, they're gonna book their friend who maybe isn't as funny, but they like hanging out with them. And it's like, I can't, no. The only relationship that matters is between you and the audience. That's all that matters. Yes. Isn't it? No, that, that's, and that's, that if, people, if people love you, they'll come and find you. And the thing is, if you're like a strong female that's kind of breaking the mold a bit, and I'm not saying that I am, but I'm definitely not. I, I you are. But I, d- I definitely do, do talk about things that I don't think other women talk about or met, men yeah. really in the same way. Or they're way. not putting out a lot of the, the quote, you know, industry decision makers they're not giving the opportunity for people to find those women yeah, yeah. as much yeah and a, a lot of women that a lot of people come and see me they're like they've never been to see comedy before so essentially i'm extracting a new audience yes and nobody knows how to do that until, until you do it until you do it and you're like oh do you get let me ask you this this is completely off topic but now that you've done your tour yeah do you get a lot of people just wanting you to give them some magical piece of advice about touring no but i have seen a shift in how people perceive me and 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 because I, I very much felt like an outsider and the couple of times i've gone to the bars i've been like oh and i've like oh you know who i am oh this is a, okay hi and yeah. that's interesting but yeah. um, i guess word gets around i guess oh i mean yeah it's like you're good you're doing this thing people see it I I just I've had people go like we should go on tour together and I'm like oh because I know how to tour sure but you shouldn't get defensive about that you should use that to advantage yeah because essentially if they've got something that you need of course so that's that's fine yeah. you've got a bargaining chip there's something of worth in that which is like yeah you just work together and you give each other different things but if it's not worth it to you don't bother like I've had, I've had acts ask me to agent like take them on tour and that, and I've run the numbers and I know how much work I put in for how much money and I just think. I'm only good doing it for myself. Like when yeah, I yeah, because it's not it's not enough money, and it's definitely not fulfilling. And the administrative to, side is like it's a nightmare. <sighs> and also for to, for it to be worth, you have to have a you would have to have a, a long standing relationship with the act. And it's like I don't want to be an agent, mate. I'm not interested. Yeah. Oh fuck. I've realised when I was editing hardcore pornography, I realised <laughs> <laughs> that I don't like producing stuff that I'm not in. Yeah, that's an important thing to know. <laughs> They're like this should be my asshole. This this should be my. I could gang do bang. this. I'm not going to, but I could. Yeah, yeah. No, because it, it's just <laughs> you know. But it's hard to say that. Like if, maybe if I had the opportunity to produce something with someone whose comedy I really like, it would be different. But if nah. But it's like oh, if I don't, I'm feel... too fearful that people will like them over me. I'm complete so insecure. Really, I'm okay with people. I don't think I, I think I used to feel very competitive, especially towards other women. I had this like when I first started this sort of like I want to be like the the lady that people go like she's the one when I was brand new, and now I'm I've hit a re- weird wall too where I think I'm have a deep fear of any more success, which is not I don't have time to go into, but like I'm totally cool with like you're killing it. I can go like I love this person. They're funny see them i still struggle i struggle with female envy with other females yeah i do uh and that's that's kind of like a bit like that's kind of like i don't think people say that enough yeah well because you don't want to admit that like this well, i think there's a lot of people who fake support they're you know they're, they're women in feminist t-shirts and like i just love all these ladies and definitely sit back and like fuck her she's not funny this blah 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 and it's like there is a look i, I do struggle a bit with envy if i get if i find myself trolling someone else's like twitter or instagram i have to unfollow them like or block them. oh because you're like uh, now i'm comparing myself yeah and the comparison I'm... thing um you know and there is that i guess there is that feeling as well because we are so we are underrepresented yeah 
um, then the, if like if another woman takes it that's a similar genre to me, like then I there's nothing for me. There's nothing for me. Like oh she's dirty and charismatic and outgoing. Oh god, there's nothing for me. Oh no, there's plenty for. I know, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, and I mean it's so crazy. But I used to get more like that, and now I've just been like oh. It comes from a place of fear and, you know, it comes from a place of fear that that I'm not good enough. And I think we all feel that. Yeah. But I think it's important to admit it and not be like, oh, my God, no, I'm just happy for everyone. No, you're not. It's like, no, not always. You're not. There are still people who I'm not happy for. Yeah. Or you have, even if you, like, aspire to be happy for everyone, you have moments where you're like, although lately in the last year, I haven't, maybe two years, I have lost the, like, oh, why'd they get that? And I didn't. I used to be like that. Be like, well, I'm good enough. And now I, maybe I'm just dying. <laughs> Never well, mind maybe, me. Maybe you're just sort of like moving up the ranks a bit more. And, and just, it, a lot of this is about sitting down and concentrating on what's on your plate and stop looking yeah. at this, uh, around yourself. Eyes on your own paper is that's something 100%. that somebody said to me once. And that's really stuck. I think it was my ex-boyfriend. Because you can't control the other the, the stuff on other people's plates. No. Oh, well, that's the other side, thing about like how you said you did a tour to kind of just take the reins, which is what how I started touring was the same thing as like, I'm just going to do it myself um, with a couple girlfriends. We did a thing called the Walk of Shame tour. That's <gasps> crazy. Oh my God. Which, by the way, I have to tell you because... Don't sue me. I won't sue you, but <laughs> we put together... Uh, I don't even know if I'm not supposed to say this. Uh, this was years ago. We put together like a pitch package and it, like recently someone like expressed interest in that and then it went nowhere. But in the event... I don't think it'll go anywhere, but in the event that it ever went somewhere and you saw Walk of Shame, just know that I didn't, I also didn't take it from you. We've all done the Walk of Shame. Do you know what? Walk of Shame is just that. It's universal. It's that synonymous phrase that I don't know how I found it. I don't know why I called it that. Yeah. Because there was a prequel and now this is Walk of Shame too. But it's, it's like a thing now. And it's just like, I I, honestly, like I didn't just go, I'm just going to call the next one Walk of Shame too. I went through 50 different names. Like I was like, I could call the next one unapologetic woman. Yeah. And like all my highbrow friends were like, oh yeah, yeah, really feminist. And I'm like, I've known nothing about feminism. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is it like, I wouldn't want to have a super feminist name and attract the wrong audience. Cause it's like, oh, well I'm, I, of course I'm a feminist, but my brand of feminism is also like filthy. Yeah, well, and it's also like feminism is equality, which means you have to acknowledge that women can also be shit too. <laughs> like, we can be really disgusting. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, I just think Walk of Shame, there's, it's just this universal, you can... It sounds fun. It ties in with my, like, it ties in with my demographic, which is just females of all ages. And it's, you know, it sells tickets. It sells yeah. tickets in Western Australia. And well, because it's, it's so universal and people go like, I know what she's talking about. Yeah. And then, you know, in two more tours, you can do the Stride of Pride or whatever. No, it's Damn gonna, it. It's going to be Walk of Shame forever, mate. Forever Walk of Shame. Still yeah. full of shame. 60, just like the hobble of shame. Oh my God. Just the like... <laughs> My shame, my shame cane. <laughs> oh, fuck. So with your sobriety, are yeah. you, I guess you sort of just said this, but like, um, so you're sort of like a person who dives into the sobriety. Do you approach it the same way you approach like how you sort of obsessively handle your comedy where you're like, I have to dedicate time to focusing on my recovery. Yeah. I mean, look, my, my recovery goes in, in waves and troughs and peaks and all that business. You know, I struggle with 12 step. I'm not going to lie. The whole sort of higher power stuff stresses me out. Yeah. But then I look around and I go, Do you know what, what else is on offer? Cause I couldn't 
ideal. I couldn't try and moderate without a fucking framework. Yeah. Like moderation. The anxiety of like, oh, it's fine. I'm just having one drink, one drink. Oh God, I'm just having one drink. Does this mean I'm on a relapse? Oh my God, right. Does this mean, maybe if I just have two drinks, I'll just have two drinks. I'll just, I'll just have two drinks a night and that'll be fine. Maybe if I just drink beer, beer, well, beer's fine. Okay, cool. I'm just going to have one blowout, one blowout. Okay, it'll <laughs> be fine. That I couldn't handle on a fucking constant level. No, so it's like, I have to just... Yeah, just, you know, and I just go to meetings and, you know, at the end of the day, the idea that, you know, it's a way of living, isn't it? It's, you know, the whole sort of like handing stuff over. Giving it up and like realizing you can't control everything. Yeah, I mean, that's that's typical. Dealing with what you can control. Yeah, but that's still keeping your eyes on your paper. Yeah. So it's still practical, quite practical advice. So actually a lot of the advice is quite common sense and helping another recovering alcoholic. That's really great advice. Yeah. Going to meetings are amazing. You know, it's amazing. And it's kept me sane this fringe, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, going to meetings is just sharing your shit, getting it off your chest and feeling like you're yeah. not alone. And it's, and it's not within your peers. It's, there's no competitiveness. It's with some old dude that used to live on the street some like celebrity that's trying to go into covert, some new hipster kid, some gay guy that's used to dancing and doing chem sex. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just this whole, everyone from everywhere, all ages, all different levels of sobriety. And you're all, it's like a community, isn't it? Do you think some people do compete? They're trying to be like the most sober. They're like, yeah, they're like, I'm James. I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober for 25 years. No, they've usually got humility at 25 years. It's usually the guy that's like, you know. He's been sober for a week. Yeah, he's like, I've been sober for a week. I just, I've been in a new place. Were you one of those people when you first got sober that was very like high and mighty about your sobriety? No, I was an absolute nightmare. I'd be like, oh my God, I'm going to Glastonbury in my first week. And people were just like, she's going to be, she's going to be fucked she's not gonna make it <laughs> yeah everyone every, like three years the four like i'm four years now but people were like yeah when you came in we thought you were going back out again <laughs> so they're like she's not gonna last yeah that's, but that's, so, a, that's so true it, but then it's it's kind of thing you never know you never know if you're gonna make it through yeah um you just have to keep coming back it works I, if you yeah, work most it. of my shares were like i love dick <laughs> <laughs> but like a bit more a bit more words than that but that's the undercurrent of the meeting like, like I want to fuck dick I want to fuck dick I want to fuck dick I need something to I need something to fill a fucking hole yeah god don't we all um so do you feel like on that note did, so uh we've talked about this a little and off off air too but like getting sober do you think you've found other things you're addicted yeah, well, to, I do, yeah, and do you think that like at some point you're hoping to work on those as well, or are you just like this is just where that goes, and I'm just gonna let it go there? Uh, I don't know. Look, I'm I'm less I'm, I'm less of a sex addict than I was previously. Yeah, first first two years of recovery was absolute nightmare, like porn all the time. Like it was just I couldn't keep my hands out my pants. Yeah. <laughs> it was just it was like eighteen, but like it was just, just all like, I was doing. Oh wow, because uh, well, it's like well normally I would drink. Well, that's it, isn't it? And I, I, you need a buzz. And for me, it was drink, drugs and dick, the holy yeah. trinity of addiction. Fuck. And it's one of those things you can't abstain from because you need to have a healthy... I'm in a weird place with men and relationships and all that stuff, but um, I'm just I'm on a bit of a man ban. I'm all about the sort of platonic love at the moment. Nice. Trying um, to like just be chill. Just try and sort of like stop reaching out for dick when I feel... When you feel like the when what you really need is like love from yourself, but you're like yeah, shoveling yeah. a penis in somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, it's got to the point I can't enjoy one that stands anymore. <gasps> Me neither. Oh, it's so annoying. Oh no, it's yeah, it's sometimes I miss the convenience of being able to enjoy casual sex. 
because yes. I because you still get those feelings of like I'm of like wanting sexual fulfillment but it's like I can't if I'm not intimately connected with someone I'm like I'm not gonna well, I don't think I've ever had intimate connection with anyone having sex oh. but like you know even the skin on skin action of somebody like holding someone and, and you know having you know just the whole that even though even if it's someone you don't know very well it's still intimate isn't it it's, yeah it's, and I yeah but yeah I know what you mean it's, it's yeah if I'm not like with or connected to the person yeah I can't well, I don't even know I would feel gross like. How, what does that look like I mean, you get connected to someone. You have to let down your emotional walls Ugh. and just go, here I am, accept me or don't. And then maybe they accept you. And then maybe a few months later, they decide that you're too much and they leave you. <laughs> and then you're like, I'm shattered. I finally opened myself up to someone and they were like, no, thank you. Anyways, I'm fine. Uh, it's hard. No, letting someone in is hard. Not physically. It's really easy. Just <laughs> slide right in there. But... <laughs> I don't know. I th- that's the thing is I have, I've find that I'm in the past I've been surprisingly good at being willing to like be try to be intimate. Well, I don't think it's weird, but I've had enough friends go like, you're good at loving and that's very hard. And I'm like, yeah, yeah but that's just because I'm a psycho. Um, I don't want to talk about me. What were we saying? Dick. Oh, I miss it. The penis. Mm, yeah, it just, I, I have to like be attached to the person for me to care about the dick that's attached to them now. Yeah, I don't know. Look, I think um, I think it's a weird place, modern dating in 2018. Like, we uh, women, I think, I think women, we have to learn about boundaries, a term, and like, not just physical boundaries, but like, sex, like emotional. Emotional, boundaries. yeah. Because men have got, we can't put the self-care in someone, in a man, because it, it, quite often they don't read the room. Yeah. Um, but even even small things like don't text me in the day if we're just banging. Yeah, it's like if you don't like me, that's you have to go like look. If you like me and you're like thinking about you want to like go on dates and stuff, that's fine. But if if all yeah, you want is the sex, but you're like lonely and you want someone to just dump your thoughts on, fuck find off. somebody like fuck off. Yeah, and I I for so long. But the thing is, I will be quite. Re- I used to be quite receptive to that. But instead, I need to I need to call bullshit. Do you think it's like, like codependence? Yeah, maybe maybe, but it's like oh oh, <laughs> I'll be a vessel for the attention that you give me. But it's like actually bullshit. Just yeah, no, I don't want you to ask how I'm doing if you don't genuinely care how yeah, I'm if, doing. If we're having a if we're having a hookup situation, then then you, there needs to be boundaries in place. You know, it's like if all you want is to fuck me, that's theoretically fine if that's like the thing yeah. you're into. But like keep it at that. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to be in a gray area with yeah, someone. Yeah, fuck the gray area. But it's like, it's black or white. Like, yeah. either like, if you are if you want to text me during the day, then cool. We we're can, dating. Are, we're, we're dating. dating. We're together. Uh, yeah, I love that. But the thing is, I, don't, I think we feel embarrassed. We're like, um, oh, do you mind me asking? I, I know we've been having sex for like 10 weeks. Yeah, and like, it's like, when did that happen? Like, I don't it used to know. be like people didn't have sex till they were married, which I think is, that I think is ridiculous as well. Cause like at some point it, it wasn't cause women couldn't get jobs and get paid as much. So you had to use it as like a bargaining yeah. chip. <laughs> You're like, I'm holding onto this pussy so that I can get a retirement plan. <laughs> but like now that's ridiculous. But the idea that you're fucking someone and then afraid to bring up, I don't want to look stupid. Like we're doing, like we're doing intimate sexual acts and then we're like, and um, we're like, um, I, this is so weird. I have like feelings and I was wondering, are you just having sex with anyone? Yeah. And it's like, is it ever okay to just assume somebody's not having sex with other people? You're like, well, we talk all the time. We hang out all the time, no. but no one's ever flat out said it. No, or do you have to go like, are you fucking anyone else? 
you don't have to be that aggressive, I guess, but like, <laughs> you're like, look, I'm not having sex with anyone else and I just need to know are you? where you are because if you are, we better use condoms. Yeah. I've, I stay using condoms now. I've, I had a hot streak where I didn't, but I came out relatively unscathed. Yeah, me too. Other than my ego. Yeah. Other than me being like, oh, shaming myself. Uh, Why? Um, Fuck. What do I want to say? Sobriety. Do you have any advice for someone who's maybe in that area where they're like, I need to get sober, but they're not taking the plunge? Well, just keep drinking until you're desperate enough, innit? <laughs> you're right. <laughs> that I'm, not, I'm not going to waste my time trying to convince someone. Yeah, of course. You well, And also you can't. And that also goes hand in hand with codependence. Is that like, sometimes you're like, I, I'll put my weight into like, if this person that I'm with that I care about doesn't feel good or they're not happy, I'm failing. And it's, you can't do Mate, that shit. I was shit. desperate. I was desperate. I was yeah. absolutely desperate. And that's the only way that, you know, there was nothing else I could do. Fuck. And that's the only way I could get sober. And my sobriety is much more, much stronger. Like, you know, I was living in a party house for the first 18 months and, you know, going to Glastonbury Festival for four days and, you know, being around people on drugs. Like, I couldn't, you know. Wow. Do you know what I mean? I had to be desperate to not use again. Yeah, you're like, I had to be my last resort. 100%. You've got to have, you've got to be fucking desperate, mate. Fuck. Because relapsing and going, I've seen people that I've luckily touched with, I've never relapsed. But if you do, it's okay. You just get back on the wagon when yeah, you can. Yeah, just get back in, in it. <laughs> but um, I just, I don't know if I could do it all again. You're like, I can't go through the fucking oh, rigmarole. When you first got sober, um, were you one of those people who, like anyone who drank, you're like, you're probably an alcoholic. No. <laughs> That's like my mom. Anytime, like when I started, I went, I went to college and I'd be like, oh, we went out, we grabbed a beer. And my mom's like, well, you know, alcoholism runs in your family. I'm like, no, alcoholism throws up on the couch in my family. But <laughs> thanks, mom. Yeah, I did see you as a child. I know that. Um, and she's just very like, my mom's someone who's part of her identity. Is drinking. Well, is sobriety now. Oh, is it? But she's someone who like treats AA like it's her sports team. You know what I mean? Like very, like the way a soccer hooligan would be like, Manchester. She's like, AA. <laughs> I joined a sorority and I talked about like, oh, you have big sisters and like they sort of are like your, you know, uh, they just sort of are your like, uh, you know, they tell you things and you, you can go to them at, like as an advisor for, you know, life questions. And she's like, oh, it's just like AA and your sponsor. And I was like, yeah, we're just like AA as, a, as I'm like doing a beer bong. <laughs> like well, it's community mm. in it. It's community. That's all yeah. it is. Um, Which and it's like, I, if that's how you need to, everyone's sobriety is different, but. Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely like an element of my identity now that is wrapped up in sobriety. And I do worry about how much of my ego is in that. Is that, do you hit that a lot when you're working on steps where you go like, am I just doing this to go like, look how sober I am? Uh, yeah, there's a definitely an, e- yeah, 100%. Like for my fourth year, I was like, oh my God, I'm so changed. And I wrote this very sort of like egotistical post. It's still online now. I'm going to keep it up. Yeah. And you're like, why didn't it get more likes? Yeah, the book. Do you like 100, day, 100 days sober? I was, just, I was just like, oh my God, you know, I'm four years. Now I can really do this, this and this. I'm so well. And the, the thing is, at that point, I was not very well. That's so funny. It's just, yeah, there's a fucking ego. Pro- I've got an ego problem, mate. Well, the thing, I mean, not to be cliche, but like, 
at least you're aware of it. That's the first yeah. step into figuring it out is yeah, that yeah. there's some people who are so ego that they don't even know that it's their ego. Yeah, I do. Stri- yeah, I look, it's, it's a, that's the step in stripping it down is you go, oh, fuck, here's a thing. There's a, there's a weird thing. The recovery means I need to have an element of humility and reduce ego, yeah. which is my biggest defect of character. Yeah. However, going out and producing a hundred date tour when you are relatively unknown needs a, really a little high, bit of ego. We need really high ego. That's the weird thing about it's comedy. Is like it's this like low self esteem, high confidence. Yeah. Weird. <sighs> yeah, because I like to think I've been actively working on like overcoming my ego, but then I'm like, well, I, I you have to have some to ego and ambition are very. T- it's very difficult to have that fine line of straddling between the two. Yeah, it's very difficult. Uh, and uh, high ego. What you mentioned there, high ego. Um, it's like if I have a failure, if I'm feeling sad, I'm like, oh my God, everyone's just going to think like how unpopular Eleanor is. Like no one's looking at well, you, Well, nobody's Eleanor. looking at anyone else. No. But we all go like, they all think I'm dumb. They think. And it's like, they're all thinking about themselves. <laughs> it's like, even when I'm high ego, I'm low ego. Even when I'm low ego, I'm high ego. It's Yeah, it's a clusterfuck. It is a clusterfuck, but it's all based in ego. Yeah. It's all based in fear, low self-worth. So that's yeah. why you have to work on your internal self. Yeah, and like stopping those like fear-based reactions. And that's really true. Yeah. You have Fuck. good recovery for someone that's not in recovery. Yeah, it's, I sometimes think about going to Al-Anon or CODA, CODA meetings. Yeah, I was thinking about doing Al-Anon. I think I've inadvertently probably done parts of the steps without knowing this is such and such yeah, step because yeah, yeah. I've just been doing crazy self-care. I remember when I, I don't know if I can call it a rock bottom, but... And like I had a really bad year in 2012 and I was like going crazy and suicidal and all yada, yada, yada. But I remember, I rarely talked to my mom, but I remember talking to her and we, we catch up uh, via an app because she lives in Korea. Kakao, do you remember that? Did they have that then? No. She, Eleanor lived in Korea. Yeah. Um, South Korea. And I remember my mom's got borderline and she's very flippant about things sometimes. But I, Is she married uh, to a Korean? No, she's married to a uh, extremely light-skinned Jamaican man who's missing a finger. That she met in Alaska. A in Korea. He was in Alaska, which doesn't make sense I mean, either. Korea, just my surprise. Korea is one of the most homogenized nations on earth. So it's very, it's very Korean. It's very Kim. Yeah, you like look around and I'm and you're like, oh, it's a, it's just is how it is. But my mom, being old and borderline and a oh cuckoo bird, is like they're all racist here. And they I'm are like, all racist. I'm not gonna lie. Koreans are really super racist. And I'm like, well, not you, Koreans outside of Korea, just Koreans in Korea. But I'm like, oh, you mean you feel like they probably feel if they came to wherever you lived? But I don't know. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very, it is can be, it can be quite a little bit. I mean, if she's got a non-white husband, well, he's he looks white. He presents as white. He's like he presents as white. I know that's so silly. His his mom is like light tan. It's like generational years of they were Jamaican, but like white and black mixing, and then it's just kind of he's more. Of a he's caramel. got like black features, kind of, but is why I should talk about it more on stage. I don't at all. And I don't know why, because that's just a plethora on its own of having a white Jamaican stepfather who's missing a finger. Um, my, this guy that I used to hang out with in Korea was Korean, but he, he, he lived in Hawaii. Oh. And that was a real big head fuck for the 
Korean people, they were like, you look Korean, but your Korean is terrible. And they're like, how dare you? Yeah, they're like, shame. They're like, yeah. Every time I'd leave the country, be like, hey man, can you get some crystal meth and bring it back? I'm like, no, I fucking can't bring some crystal meth. <laughs> bring I don't even crystal know. meth. I was just like, I don't even know. Like, I didn't know what crystal meth was in 2001. Yeah, like back in the glory days. I was like, mm, we don't have crystal meth in England, Sol's. No. Otherwise, I would. I would love to, but we don't make that here. <laughs> we don't have uh, motorhomes hey, in the can desert. You, can you bring me some crystal meth. Give me some of that crystal. And it's like, what are some you doing? Fucking douchey people in Asia. Uh, Expats. Oh, God. Yeah, for sure. Mom. We, we, <laughs> we don't send our best men to Asia. Let me put oh, it that way. Fuck. Ah, well, what can you do? Oh, wait. That was a thing. I remember having this like breakdown and thinking about, I don't know what brought this to my mind, but I was just thinking about like, the tendencies of alcoholics and like, and, and just the like patterns that they exhibit like emotionally and whatever. And I remember saying to my mom, like, I feel like I, I, I'm acting like an alcoholic, but I'm not drinking. Yeah. And she just very flippantly was like, yeah, you're the child of an alcoholic. Sure. And I was like, oh, so your alcoholism is my problem. And she's like, yeah. Well, that's you it. have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you learned from your mom how to cope with life. Which was not... Exactly. And my mom's way to cope with life was to be like, well, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? I don't think... I don't. I mean, I don't really buy the whole, like, alcoholism is a disease and illness. I'm like, I didn't sit on a f- fucking toilet seat and catch something. But it's uh, a, That's the tricky part about addiction, because people go, like, it's a disease. And I'm like, it's not. You, you started it. Yeah, I mean, I think... I There's think no that- other disease where you're like, I'm going to take this. And see if it gives me a disease. Well, besides dicks, I guess. But it's more—it's more like like how you learn to co- cope with stuff. How you cope with stuff. It's like a craving, and then you take something to satiate the craving, and the craving, then it wears off, and you take it again, and it becomes a tighter spiral until you're just fucked all the time. Yeah. Do you think some of it is? Because here's the thing I realized about myself in the course of going, oh, I'm acting like an alcoholic, but I don't have an alcohol problem, and then examining that. But like, I realized I'm addicted to emotions Mm, yeah like emotional high so that like if i don't feel something strongly i don't feel like i'm alive sure and like that's that's i have um could like uh, uh, i think addicts and alcoholics like 10 out of 10 experiences or zero out of 10 experiences yeah just like they feel like shit or or amazing and if they have like a five out of 10 or the sort of you know they're sort of like like a mid mid range level they don't like it it's so boring like yeah like for example like if I go on a date with a guy and we get a pint of beer he'd get a pint of beer I'd get a glass of wine if if I drank if he didn't drink quick enough I'd leave I'd walk out I'd like, oh, like this guy sucks yeah I was like this <laughs> is yeah I would be I'd be like you are boring as hell boring moderation this is bullshit I don't want moderation I want extreme I want to run wild with you yeah I used to like get chaotically I think I I was like sex but also like love addiction where you cling like you get that one little feeling and you're like let's just dr- ride ride this into the ground that's it but then when i'd get in relationships and then it would kind of subside and just get calm i'd be like i guess i don't love you anymore sure and you're addicted to the drama you're addicted to the drama whether it be good drama or bad drama just like emotional highs sure and you you put action in off emotional highs and lows yeah which is why edinburgh is so like difficult and you need someone to talk you down and go you've got a perception problem your show isn't shit People are coming, you know, it's like yeah. you, you, sh- you, you aren't shit. And you go, yes, I am shit. I'm going to act shit. I'm shit. And then by the end of it, you're like, I am shit. Yeah, you are shit. But that's because you thought you were shit mid run and started acting shit. And then you started acting like a shit bag. Yeah. I've done a lot of trying to get okay with calm feelings is like a thing that I, that's my new like active. Cause I've only in the last like 
year or two started even being able to feel calm. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but moments where, because I felt like... What if, changed? Because um, you, you didn't have a rock bottom. I think it's just like growth. Well, I got I got broken up with last September. And realistically, the relationship... I, I've said this to the guy. It's not a secret. Like, I really cared about him, but we shouldn't have been together. It was a thing where I think we would have been better suited as really good friends. But we had this like moment where we were also like a little bit high on edibles. And we talked about that later. We're like, we thought it was like this magic love. And we're like, we were literally high. Uh, so we just like, Oh, it's so magic. I guess we should be together. I had a thing. Yeah. Well, I did a 10 day silent meditation. That's what my show's about. Yeah. And in the course of that, you have all these, you're just stuck with your thoughts. Yeah. So you end up realizing things about yourself. Yeah. And I hit this moment where you've I got no distraction. Yeah. So you're just in there. And I realized several things, but one thing was like, oh, I've had sex with people and gotten into, potentially gotten into relationships, that that one specifically, who I care about, but it's not a sexual thing, but I don't know how to express caring. And you don't know how to get out of it once you've- Once you're in it, and because yeah. it's like, well, I don't want to, I don't want you to think that I hate you, but I don't, oh. but it was, uh, I- I had a very tumultuous childhood, so I think I lived in sort of a chaotic state yeah. for a long time. I went to this alternative therapist lady. It's kind of sort of acupressure, like where she would push on parts of you and you could feel this like pain. And it's like energy that's being trapped. It's trapped in your body being released. It's a whole thing. But uh, this was probably like three years ago. And I remember leaving there one day and she had like pushed on my chest and she told me that I'm touching, you guys can't see, but she's like, this is as hard as I'm pushing on you. She showed me somewhere else on my body, but it was the most excruciating pain I'd ever felt. And Where it did just, she push you? Just right here on my sternum. She just, t- and I could feel like, like it felt like I was breaking, but the, her whole thing, the whole practice is like, instead of clinching up around it, yeah. she has different techniques, but it's like, you just let it go. She's like, the pain, it's, it's not going to last forever. You just let it go. You just have to feel it and just like breathe. And just, so I had this like crazy flashback to my childhood and like crazy shit, but I left there and I, for the first time that I can remember in my whole life, I felt calm. Uh Like I didn't feel worked up. It was just like, I just existed, which I didn't even know was possible. Yeah. Like there was no, like I've always lived in, she, she, she told me, she's like, you live, your body isn't constantly in fight or flight. Yeah. And then realizing that it was even an option to not feel that way was like, holy fuck but then if you're so used to chaotic feelings when you start having moments of calm it's almost like what do i do with am i dead you're like what hello emotions so getting used to that because and if if you're so used to like high strung emotions and like i'm sad i'm so excited it feels boring or it feels like something's wrong it's hard to see the value in the um the calm yeah um and that's something I've learned this Edinburgh because I've just I've just been really boring going to bed straight after my show going to meetings in the morning doing coffee in the morning that's it. How do you feel about the calm though? Do you still feel? Um, I've, I I felt like it was difficult to see the value in it. Yeah. Like I'm not going to the bars. I'm not engaging with external things. But then a few things happened that and I you know and I was able to sit like lean into the calm if that makes sense. Lean into yeah. Where it's like oh a year ago two years ago this would have wrecked me. Yeah, but my show's gotten better during the course of the month and. You know, and that's 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 actually the only thing that matters and that people are coming. Yeah. Um, are you happy with it? Are you still enjoying it? 
That's what really Ask matters. Me in two weeks. Okay. <laughs> when I'm out of this fucking hole. Yeah. This. I mean, this. I've got. It's hard because you just have to kind of keep your head down here because yeah, it's just three your more go, shows. Go, go. That's it. Three more shows. I've not been Fuck. doing external shows much. Uh, like any. Was that intentional? You were like, I'm not going to take it. Yeah, because I just was like, hang on, why am I doing short five minute spots? Wouldn't it be better off just for me to spend two or three, four hours a day reviewing the footage from last night and just um, treating it like a marathon? You want to rock up to your show and do the best yeah, job that you can. That's a thing I really envy that you have your like hyper focus has been all into like let me let me look at my show let me see because i've been doing and and it's been beneficial i think in a different way but yeah i compulsively i'm like compulsive about needing to do spots and also since i'm not doing a regular stand-up show there's a big part of me that's like yeah. i need people to know that i'm not just this weird theater lady like it's yeah. just like no i can i can do it i'm a stand i'm a stand-up i'm a fine yeah, i'm good yeah, yeah, i can yeah. do that i'm good but that's all you just come back next year and just do a show i think so do a stand-up let's show. go on tour together yeah oh my god that'd be funny oh my god and then we just get we in could, a fight no, for no, no you'll reason. Be the American version, I'll be the English version. We'll be like, oh my god! And we tell like we 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 go and we tell a story at the same time, but we use like different Accents? verbiage. Verbiage is that you're like? Verbiage? I went to the loo, and I'm like, I had sex with a man named Lou, and people are like, they're crazy. And then I slip <laughs> on a banana peel, but it's actually a dildo, and it hits someone in the face, and we're like, whoa, we're zany. I don't deserve zany. anything. Oh, what a word! Oh, uh, what a terrible. Like I, I feel like people describe people as zany as like a fun compliment, but then you're like zany. I don't oh, know. It's like what my dad says, you know. It's like if someone were to describe me as zany, I feel like they just see me as like riding a unicycle in a funny hat and being like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I'd be fine with it. Are you listening, Guardian? I'm kidding. <sighs> it's fine. It's funny, like uh, yeah. No, 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 no one's got any reviews this year. No. We will start sobbing. I'm kind of glad. Whatever. Um, closing thoughts? Any closing little thoughts. gems? You I don't know. Like what? What sort of gems do people usually give in the closing? Yeah, I don't know. Um, do you have anything about like sobriety? Um, it really, you don't have to have anything. Oh, no. I want to. I want to leave the listeners with like a nugget of stuff. But I don't know what that nugget might be. And um, I think that's really the nugget. Is sometimes <laughs> You just don't know what the nugget is until you get there. Well, that's it. Just live a day at a time. Don't enjoy the process, guys. One day at a time. Let go. Let God. I'm repeating things I've seen at signs at AA meetings. I can't, you've been to AA meetings? Oh, my mom used to take me with her. I hate your mom. Like, I hate people that bring their kids to AA meetings. Yes. It's so fucking annoying. They're running around. I'm like, just control your shit. There's times where I just like sit in there. Oh, here's a question I have before. And then I'll wrap up. So like sometimes I have friends and like I think we've all some people have done this where they'll watch shows like hoarders or like my 600 pound life. And they're like, Oh, I feel better about myself. <laughs> Do you ever get that in AA meetings? We're like, well, at least my rock bottom wasn't that bad. No, <laughs> no, I think you, I think you realize that everyone's got, you know, it's not about who got the worst de- end of the deal. I think it's just about the compulsion. You know, my compulsion is once I have a glass of wine, that's it. All bets are off. We're fucking going through whatever we're, that is. Now we're having the bottle. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, we're going to go, we're going to go high drama, high energy until the body gives out and either I'm incapacitated or I'm in hospital. That's, Fuck. But that's, that's just the way that I drink. And that's the way I've always drank. Did you, when you first got sober, did you get, because I will say when I, I'm a pretty social, like outgoing person in general, but when I drink... I get a little buzzed. I definitely am like life of the party. We're fucking having fun. Yeah. Woo. Like 
a bit of a woo girl, which I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm a woo girl, but then I'm a woo girl for like a good amount, like 10 to 11. And then I'm like the, then you, oh then you keep God, drinking. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to tell, I'm going to corner a stranger in a fucking house party yeah. and tell you all my depraved fisting stories. <laughs> right, there are none, but do you know what I mean? The extremity like, yeah. And then I did this. Oh my God. Thank you. It's been so nice to share this. What was your I name love again? You. We, we can be friends now. And she's just like, oh my God, I'm going to taxi. God, get me out of here. Did you at first was socializing? Were you like self-conscious about having to like, no, nah, not like really, but I did set boundary. About- no, I did, look, I just realized how boring everyone was when they were drunk. And so you're like, oh, I'm not. I'm, yeah. I don't miss that at all. Do you know what? I thought that getting drunk and getting high was the most magic. It was the only place to be. I didn't realize that a people didn't drink like me. Yeah. And that there was a world. Like I thought we were all blacked out. Yeah. I genuinely, no, I was like, <laughs> me too in college. My sophomore year, my best friend was like, I don't remember anything from last night. And I'm like, well, yeah, that happens all the time. And she's like, that's never happened to me. And I was like, uh, you suck. <laughs> You're a bad drinker. Drink more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, but realizing, I'm sorry. You thought that. I can't remember what I was saying. How, how boring it was to be drunk. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was interesting to see it from the other end, like living with people and hanging out with people that on drugs. It was the first time I'd done that sober and I would not recommend it. If you're newly sober, don't go and hang out in a crack den for like the first week of sobriety. I, I definitely don't recommend that, <laughs> but that's what happened. You know, that's try to maybe I would say like, I'm just one person, but try not to be in crack dens at all. If you can avoid it. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> But see, you're like, now that I'm four years sober, I can go back to the crack den. <laughs> I hang out at the crack den. Yeah. It's a step 12. 13. I don't know. I can't remember. Step 13. Is it? I don't remember. Wait, but seeing people. But seeing it on the other side, I was like, oh, the, the allure, the magic got taken out of it. And it's, it's actually kept me sober because I was like, oh, oh, it's gross. You see it for what it is. But you're cause, but, uh, yeah, I never really see it. But um, in terms of going to bars and stuff, I'd, I'd just go... You know, I'd go for two hours, I'd do the rounds, but the, the moment that someone says the same thing again for the third time, I leave. Oh, God. Yeah, I've been, I see a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, you talking to yourself in a mirror? No, just the when you're sober and you see, like, the drunk person repeating themselves and you're like, okay. But yeah, the shock that life existed outside of that, it's just mad. It you're like, oh, I'll never be able to have fun if I'm sober. Yeah. And then just, going, oh, I can. I, do you know what? When I was in it, I didn't realize how small my world was, but now I'm out of it. I realized that. And that's, that's really mad. And life is big. Yeah. Life is really big. Life can be really, really big. If you, you know, like. If you let it. Yeah, if you let it. And I just, I didn't really see that. And I, there's, there's a, you know, fear of investing in life. And I don't feel like that now. I do feel fear all the time, but at least I can recognize it when it's fear. Well, at least now you go, oh, this is fear. And I'm just going to have to get through it or yeah. sit with it whatever one thing is that is annoying about sobriety though is that before if i feel an emotion i just drink and it's gone and it's gone now you have to oh that's the thing when you're being sober especially i didn't know i had a food addiction i didn't know i had any addictions till i started eating healthy which i've gone off the rails on but i had one like three week period when i first got diagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis where i read about like how diet helps and giving up sugar i realized i'm like oh i shovel this f- feeling down with a, yeah. a, a food or a dick so I was just crying on a train and being like, I guess I just have to feel it now. <laughs> but yeah, feeling it is horrible. It's it's really diff it's really difficult. And I know this sounds arty farty, but if you're not if you're not medicating your feeling with something, it's it's really hard to sit through it all and process it. And I feel anxiety in a much more intense level than I ever felt it before. Yeah. I get panic attacks. But do you just go, okay? Cause I I now go like 
most of the time. There's still times the other day I had like too much caffeine and I couldn't separate myself from my emotions, but I go like, okay, well, this is anxiety and it sucks. And then trying to figure out what it's attached to, but also going like, it's not going to be here forever. That's it. A a big thing I learned was going like, yeah, this feeling's here, but every feeling passes. This too will pass. Another too shall pass. Yeah, this is another another 12-step thing, isn't it? Which was a big thing in my meditation. And like, I heard it all the time going to my mom's AA and been like, I don't even know what that phrase means. And then going, oh. It's a lot of things I think you hear repetitively and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it you just... A lot, for a lot of that stuff, I think you have to have a moment of clarity where it really washes over you and you go, oh, I understand it now. Do you know what? Even the, the sort of higher power God stuff, I think it's not really about believing in an external a God. thing. No, it's, but it's, it's just giving things up. It's, it's, about, it's about going, I can't control this. Therefore, I'm going to release myself from the pain of stressing about it. The pressure it. of a thing I can't control. Absolutely. 100%. That comes to keeping down, you know, but it's not about like being submissive and just going, oh, well, I'll just let it, let it, I'll do nothing and just let the magic of the universe take over. Unless you're my lunatic mom who's like, I'll just give it up to God. And it's like, okay, well, God's not to- going to watch your children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. God can't feed us, mom. Yeah. So it is about putting as much effort in your part, but then realizing there are things that you you will never be able to control that's and there's it. no sense in getting anxiety over like that's it what if someone it, else thinks about you and yeah or, i mean you know what well, other people think about you is none of your business yes great another 12 step cliche fuck i need to go to a meeting yeah Alan there's on. a hot pile of material there there is totally it's <laughs> really totally the steps the, you're the walk of shame tour and I'm going to come after you and be like this is the 12 steps to comedy I'm oh like, don't be Russell Brands oh god I see his book on your yeah, desk yeah yeah do you know what uh, I've just bought his book and I was like I'm going to hate this book and do you, you like it yeah I do I hate when I like go like oh that celebrity and then I Meet like it. watch one interview with them and I'm like I love them <laughs> I'm reading uh, Russell Brand's recovery book, which is essentially the twelve steps. I love it. And he's it. just he's just replaced uh, the the word he God with high, with fucked with fucked. Oh, are you fucked? Do you want to stop being fucked? Beautiful. Step one. <laughs> People need their own words. I think. All right. Well, this is good. I think life is big. We've learned that. Yep. This has been great. Hand stuff over. You can't control everything. Let go. Let go and let someone else fucking don't worry about it yeah and other people's successes isn't for you to yeah eyes on your own paper eyes on your own paper guys eyes on your own paper what people think about you is none of your business i love that i've heard it before i love hearing it again eleanor conway invented that phrase tell everyone that she said that (laughs) (laughs) um where can people find you oh yeah can people come and follow me please on please go follow her instagram and twitter and facebook i'm just eleanor conway it's spelled the way you think it's spelled e-l-e-a-n-o-r C-O-N-W-A-Y. Go follow her. Go keep an eye on where she's going on tour because you're going to take this one back. On Yeah, I'm going to take it on tour. I'm going to take it around the UK, around Australia. I am trying to sort out an American visa, but it's so hard. Is it? Fuck. Yeah, it is. You've got to be like, you've got to be like, uh, you've got to arrange a three-year tour, basically. And I'm like, what kind of theater is going to book someone they've never heard from Christ. me, heard of me for three years? But actually, if you are a theater and you want to book me for three years, then that would help me get a my A residency. Own. A residency. That's what it's called. Is it enough if you just did like... The same theater once. Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, look, we shouldn't be talking about this on a recorded. You're thing, right. Just in case the um, the IRS. That's not who is in no, control. No, no, the that. people that sort out the. I want to figure out Australia. I haven't been yet. Anyway, you guys. Yeah. Sobriety. What a great conversation. Go follow Eleanor Conway. Thank and you so I will, much for uh, having me, mate. Thanks for doing this. No problem. See her Walk of Shame tour too. Walk of Shame too. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. 
There you go, Eleanor Conway. If you like the podcast, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, share it with your friends. Everyone's a little bit ignorant sometimes. Huge thank you to the League of Extraordinary Idiots. John, Matt, Greg, Andre, Kathy, Terry. Uh, and of course, uh, my VIP idiot savants, Nick and Jean. They keep the episodes going. You keep me sane. We're internet friends and I love it. And if you want to join the League of Extraordinary Idiots and be a part of our monthly Google Hangs, which we will have to do a binge session of, we're going to just have to have a hangout week in like September, October at this point because I have had to postpone the last two months and now I just feel like I'm drowning. (laughs) What? Everything's fine. You get cool postcards from the road too. Whatever. More content from me. Patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed. Follow at blessed podcast on Twitter. Ignorance is blessed on Instagram to stay up on everything that's happening over here and at least sue, sue. See cool pictures of the guests so you can put faces to names and voices. And also, please keep in mind that no guest is or uh, claims to be a representative for every person who has a similar identity. They're just one person sharing their own experience and ideas to help us get a peek at how things look from their situated position in the world. So, like all my guests, Eleanor's story is just her story and she does not represent other people who have gotten sober and or other things that she talked about. (sighs) Additional questions? You have a guest you want to suggest? Send them my way. Uh, Easiest way to do it, so I'll see it, if I'm being totally honest, ignoranceisblessedpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet them at me, uh, but my tweets seem to get lost in piles of... It's just hard to get to see them all sometimes. And so I know that I miss them occasionally, and I try not to. You want guaranteed questions asked? Join the Patreon. That's how it works. Uh, but I, I try to get all the questions I can. Anyways. Anyways. Uh, that's it. Keep asking questions. The more we ask, the more we learn, the more we know. And the more we know, the more we can look down on other people who aren't as smart as we are. And isn't that the point? Take that, you dumbasses. Them. Not us, you guys. We're smart. Because we listened and we asked questions. Haha. Thank you for listening. <sighs> I am delirious from a lack of sleep. Thank you for being patient with my ignorance. See you soon, idiots. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.